welcome to Demand and Disrupt the Disability Podcast. Here, we will learn to advocate for ourselves and each other. This podcast is supported with funds from the Advocato Press based in Louisville, Kentucky. Good morning. Welcome to the Demand and Disrupt Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa McKinley. Today, we are with Matt Davis. Matt Davis is the Assistant Director of the Student Accessibility Resource Center on the campus of Western Kentucky University. Good morning, Matt. How are you today? I'm doing well, Lisa. How are you doing this morning? I am great. We are so excited to have you on. I have known Matt for a long time now, probably 20-something years. Imagine 20-something years. Yes, 20-something years. I think I actually met you before I became a student at Western. Um, you were doing road races, um, and I was at a road race with my sister, and you were there, and that's how I met you. I'm like, this dude's cool. <laughs> <laughs> and I started racing in 97, so that's had to have been sometime around when I first started. Tell us about yourself, a little more about yourself, and about your position at Western. Okay. Uh, I am from Bowling Green, Kentucky. I grew up here. We moved here when I was a little kid. When my father got a uh, position at WKU, we moved from Lexington to Bowling Green. So I pretty much grew up here in the Bowling Green area. I uh, am an adult with spina bifida. I was born with spina bifida. uh, So I also have a disability as well. I have my bachelor's and master's in social work from WKU. I also do, um, as you well know and had mentioned before, also have um, been passionate about uh, adaptive sports uh, for over 20 years now. My main sport is wheelchair racing, but I've played wheelchair basketball and tennis and softball and sled hockey and so many other things. And so I always make the joke that I'm only doing this WKU gig so I can feed my uh, sports habit. So that's a little bit about my background, what I do at WKU is, as you mentioned, I'm the assistant director for the Student Accessibility Resource Center. And what I do is make sure that students who have a documented disability, uh, that they disclose their disability to the university, make sure that they have all the resources that they need to take advantage of or they can take advantage of to make sure that they have that equal opportunity success during their college career. And that can vary from you know, classroom accommodations to housing, to finding tutoring assistance, to oftentimes just being, you know, a listener. So people ask me what a normal day is, and there really isn't such a thing. It seems to be something different every day, which I like. It's hard to believe that I've been here this long, and this will be my 22nd year here at WKU as an employee. I would like to spend some time talking about the importance of self-advocacy because um, we can have people advocate for us all day long, but I think the ability to advocate for one's self is so important. Can you talk a little about advocating for oneself as a college student and really how important that is? Sure. And a lot of times when I speak to at conferences or even if I'm speaking to a classroom of students here on campus, oftentimes what I'll mention is one of the most important things I do in my role. You know, a lot of things can be, you can learn on a job, you can learn how to do different, you know, the process for providing accommodations. But I think 
helping students become their own advocates once they get to college, I think is one of the more important roles that I have. Uh, because a lot of times, students in general, uh, oftentimes have had a lot of things in their life done for them up until they get to the college level, but it seems to be more prevalent in the disability community as far as even not just, you know, as far as schoolwork and those types of challenges, but also just daily living skills. And so I think that um, because I think that's part of my role here is to help students make that transition into college and, you know, they are adults. Uh, tell people I'm using my quote fingers, adults, um, but they still have those responsibilities that they haven't had uh, before oftentimes in their life, and not just getting to class, but how to navigate to get groceries, how to navigate to get, you know, their medicines that they need or their supplies that they need or making doctor's appointments. So oftentimes I'll get those requests, you know, students at the university, when they request accommodations, we don't, uh, they do that through a process uh, through our office and we provide them with what we call a faculty notification letter to their email and they provide those to their professors to request the accommodation. So, so that's part of that process is to let the student be in control of when or if they want to request accommodations uh, for their classes. And so they have that letter uh, and they can they need to provide that to professors. We don't do that. Uh, and so we I tell students college is all about choices. Uh, and once you get to college, it's your choice as whether or not to use the accommodations. Always recommend that students provide their letter of accommodation or their faculty notification letter at the beginning of the semester. And then everything's in place. And if you want to just try the class without accommodations, then, you know, that's also uh, their choice. And so, and also students will oftentimes request that I contact their professors or if they will contact this department on campus and I'll tell them a couple of things. What I'll do is I said, well, reach out to your professor at this department and you can copy me and I'll even sometimes help a student formulate an email to them. And then that way that helps them to kind of take over that role of asking for help around campus and, and getting into that routine of asking for those that extra help that they need. And so those are some of the things that uh, I see myself in. And one of the, the things that helped me, I think when I was younger, uh, my, I first attempted college um, at an early age and didn't do so well and had to drop out and I, I went back later. And so those students that I see that are, are struggling or lack of a better term, maybe goofing off or not taking college as serious, I can't really be really judgmental because I see myself in them. And so I try to start where they are. And so that's part of that as well, because some students even hesitate who have accommodations, especially those students who have what we call a hidden disability. Oftentimes they're even hesitant to even reach out to our office. And so uh, I think just encouraging them that they made that first step to at least go through the process to, to get help from us is an important part of that, that advocacy process. Encouragement is a huge thing. Just to have somebody there beside you, you know, letting you know you can do this and this is how you might want to go about it. That That is huge. So uh, if you can, what, tell us maybe something a student might run into with, with a class. How are some ways in the classroom they might have to advocate for themselves? Okay, that's a good question. Oftentimes students 
who uh, I'll give you an example that some students who have accommodations may have uh, accommodations for testing. And so what we require them to do, and when I mean testing, they maybe they need extended testing time or uh, a separate place to take exams or sometimes even, even a reader. And so what we have that student do is when they need our offices uh, where students can come and take their exams. And so we require them to fill out a testing form. Uh, and so some of the some of the issues they might face in the classroom is maybe and a lot of students, not just students with disabilities, but the time management factor. Uh, being able because you know a lot of times students transition into college they've been used to their parents saying have you done your homework you need to get up and go to school you need to you know go to your tutoring sessions and so teaching students with the time management I think this helps as an example is filling out that testing form and so so that way they because they're required to or we try to require them to do that at least three to five days in advance obviously we get request that are say the day before and we try to accommodate but that's part of that that learning process and and that self-advocacy piece and some of the challenges sometimes they run into challenges where the professors are either less willing or don't understand the accommodations and so that's why i try to help help facilitate that educational piece to the professors so students don't run into those uh, types of barriers because we want them to focus on their studies and not having to fight with professors to get their accommodations. So I'm sure a lot of it is professors just not really maybe knowing exactly what a student needs. And, and once sometimes I you will have to step in and, and maybe say, the, these are the accommodations this student needs. Right. Um, and, you know, we when we determine the accommodations, it's a partnership with the student and one of our staff here. So we we just don't tell them these are the accommodations you're going to get. It's it's it is a it's a collaborative process. So they kind of um, feel like they're being they have that power in their own hands of getting that help that they need. It's an amazing resource, and I wish sometimes I had taken advantage of it more when I was a student. I remember um, having one professor who refused to allow me to take my uh an exam in private he wanted to whisper the answers to me or that he was proctoring the test in front of the entire class while the class was also taking their test but he was trying not to interrupt the class so he's kind of whispering it and that was the hardest test I ever took because I mean that's not a good test environment and I think if I would have had the courage to speak up and and you know call the student disability coordinator, I think I, I probably would have had more success in that class. So um, yeah, speak to that when students might be, you know, afraid to advocate for themselves. And like, how do they find their voice? I think, in, you know, I, I do understand because I was a student, as I tell students, I was a student 100 years ago. And so I remember you know, students oftentimes are apprehensive about challenging professors as they see, they may see it as challenging professors or uh, we see it as advocating for themselves because if they're in that course, they oftentimes um, may be concerned about retaliation from the professor if they push for, you know, those needed accommodations. But I always tell students, when I meet with future students, current students, and even sometimes with their parents, uh, I always tell students that our office is not just for the accommodations, the Student Accessibility Resource Center. 
it's also a, a place where students can get help for, or at least pointed in the right direction for everything w, WKU. So uh, that's what the disability office should be. So if a student needs to know, I need to check on how to do my financial aid for next year. Well, somebody in our office should point that student or at least help them get the information they need so they can uh, start that process. And so I think that's part of that, you know, sometimes the apprehension is, is that confrontation, but let us, let someone in the disability services office, sometimes we, we always talk about oftentimes about self-advocacy, but I think oftentimes too, the student, uh, the disability services office is also there to be an advocate for the student in these situations. And so I think that's where they need to understand that they're not on their own, that we're here to support them and to reach out whenever they need that help. I think that's a huge thing. I think there's a lot of students out there who, you know, maybe in high school right now thinking about going to college, but then they look at their disability and they, they say, no, maybe this isn't for me. And they're, they're overwhelmed by everything that, that might be involved. And so your office can really step in and help them navigate and help them to start to learn to self-advocate and also to be there as a voice for them when it, when it gets challenging or when they might need somebody to intercede on their behalf. So what would you say to someone who's thinking about going to college, but, but like I said, they're, they're overwhelmed by all of the prospects of it all? You know, one of my first pieces of advice is to contact, to reach out, even if you're in high school, uh, to reach out to an office like mine on the campus that you're interested in going to just to have a meeting. I usually tell students two things. Uh, first off is one is Make sure that the disability services office is a good fit as far as you know meeting your needs, but also uh, a college that may have a program that you're interested in if you know what you're interested in uh, in your career. And so those are two things that I often tell students uh, give advice to. But meeting, looking at the campus, meeting with someone on the campus, meeting with the disability services office can kind of break down maybe that, you know, I always tell students, you know, I get this question quite a bit, uh, sometimes even from parents. It's interesting that sometimes parents will talk about their children, you know, their son or daughter that's with them and, and they're, they talk about them like they're not even in the room. And then often, I had to do this the other day, I was talking to a prospective student and mom was answering all the questions and I asked, said politely to the mom, I said, I'm speaking to your son. And so, uh, he started answering questioning questions that I had and opened up. So that's part of that process of kind of letting that, you know, the old adage or the old saying, cutting the cord uh, for the parents. And so letting them answer those own questions. So always try to direct those questions towards uh, the student. But if the, if the student is, if the prospective student meets the general requirements for being accepted to WKU, which they don't take disability into consideration, they don't ask you if you have a disability, whether or not you're going to be accepted to, to a university. If they meet those requirements, then it's more, our, my perspective is more of not can we make this work, but how can we make this work? And so that's where that partnership comes into play. You know, I have a role, the student has a role, and together we can try to make this work. Uh, it may take some adjustments over the uh, course of weeks or the semester, but if we all work together, I think we can make this uh, a goal of working towards a graduation and getting a degree. You actually kind of touched on 
my next question in the, the story about the mom answering all the questions. Right. There, there are probably some parents out there listening and, and they may not be, you know, completely aware of the possibilities that are out there for their children. They may have, have, you know, been the biggest mouthpiece of the advocacy over the years. What would you say to parents about stepping back and, and allowing um, their children to take over that advocacy process themselves? You know, I don't want to give the impression that we want to completely shut parents out, but we want to ease that transition where the student kind of takes over that role, uh, because it is an important part of, you know, if they have a support system, whether it's a parent or uh, someone that they rely on that's in that role, it's an important that they be involved in that process in the beginning, because that might be something that they can provide insight to uh, them, us or to the student or uh, make it a collaborative effort, but I think moving it towards let the, letting the student um, or the future student uh, kind of take on that role themselves. I just wanted to emphasize that, you know, we, we obviously meet with parents and students when they're uh, not at the college level yet, just to go over the process and we want to involve them as much as we can. I use the example sometimes I, when I speak to classes that my first attempt at college, I lived in one of the residence halls and I was uh, trying to learn my independent skills and I called my mother on the phone and I said, mom, whenever I'm doing laundry, do I mix the color uh, clothes in with the white clothes whenever I'm doing laundry? And she said, you figure it out. <laughs> so after a couple of pairs of pink underwear, I figured it out that maybe you should mix them together. So, you know, it's sort of that learning. We prepare students in my, the reason why I mentioned that is we, we prepare students as much as you can, but there's going to be setbacks. And realizing that if you if you learn from those setbacks and you ask for help and take advantage of the resources, you know, being persistent and don't give up and, you know, getting that help you need, I think, is, is an important piece of, of being successful in college. So I'm hearing you say that, you know, having your support systems in place is very important. So it's kind of a, a balance between, you know, letting your parents or guardians be that support system, but not that over-reliance on them. That's correct. Uh-huh. I'm glad you touched on that because that's that's really important because you can't really go at this alone. We all need our our support systems. Uh, what do you wish you would have known when you were a college student that you know now that you've learned from this whole process? I think that what I wish I did, you know, what you could tell your past self is when I had mentioned earlier before, is just taking advantage of all the help. I have a former professor of mine who uh, is a uh, ended up being my boss and was a mentor. He passed away about 10 years ago. Was, uh, Dr. David Coffey had a, a great saying in the class. He'd say, he would ask, a student would ask, how would I, how, what's the best way to get, get a good grade in this class? And he would say, get your ass to class to pass. So I always remember that phrase uh, because, you know, that's one of the, the things that uh, is different from high school to college is that, you know, you have to get to class and, and, and you have to, uh, there's a lot more. They say that the average, if you have a class that's an hour, that there's three hours outside of class that you'll have to do work on that class. And so being disciplined, uh, I think, is what I didn't do uh, back in, the, in uh, my first 
attempt at college. I wasn't very disciplined. I was the first time away from home. And I always tell, always make a joke that a, a residence hall is really kind of like a halfway house. You're away from home, but you're not independently, totally independent. But still, it was um, a learning process for me that, you know, we always emphasize uh, or I always emphasize or sometimes tend to over overemphasize how important it is to, you know, to study and to go to class and to get help and to go to tutoring. But part of the college experience, whether you have a disability or not, is to have some fun and, and being able to balance that because college should be a, a, a enjoyable experience. There's so many clubs. There's so many you know, you can go to games. There's um, so many networks that students have people that I went to college with whenever I was in undergrad, I've still maintained contact with in my graduate program. And so uh, there's that social piece of it that oftentimes folks don't really realize that's important for us folks with disabilities. Well, Matt, is there anything else we haven't uh, spoke about that I might not have asked that you, you'd like um, students who might be in college now or students thinking about going to college? Is there anything you'd like them to know that maybe we haven't talked about? I think it's okay sometimes if you're not ready for or if a, if, if you're not ready for a big college uh, atmosphere, it's certainly a, a great idea. I did this years ago is taking maybe some core classes at your local community college, getting in touch with the disability services there get some uh, classes that everyone's going to have to take that will transfer over. Maybe even if you don't want to take a full load, which is usually four classes at the college level to go part-time just to see uh, how that's going to go. And then you can always ease up to a full-time status. So that's my advice is to not be afraid of just jumping into a big campus or, or to take, you know, so many classes that it's, um, it may seem overwhelming, but it's certainly reasonable to, to ease into that type of situation. And that would be my best advice and to uh, not let your own fears keep you from doing what you are passionate about, because the best way to do something that you're passionate about is to get connected with those who are at the college community and all the resources that are available. And we can together kind of make this happen. Everybody's different. Everybody's plan is different. Uh, and that's why we don't have a cookie cutter way of helping students, but uh, just ask for the help, ask questions. Uh, and that would be probably my best advice. Wow, Matt, you have been a wealth of information. I've enjoyed having you on the podcast today. Thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Lisa. Thank you. Thanks to Chris Unkin for our theme music. Thanks to Steve Moore for our providing our transcription. Support comes from the Center for Accessible Living in Louisville, Kentucky. And you can find links to buy the book, A Celebration of Family, Stories of Parents with Disabilities, in our show notes. Thanks, everyone. Just for once, I think I would agree.
Oh, no.